We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Saturday morning, bright and early. Uh, some additional news on the Tim Connolly pursuit by the Minnesota Timberwolves came out from Adrian Wojnarowski this morning. And I'm joined by Adam Mares of DNVR Sports, who I talked to earlier this week, who covers the Denver Nuggets. Adam, when we talked, I made you promise that if this went down, uh, that you would you would come on the show and discuss yeah. who Tim is and all those things. And you said, "Well, you just want me to come on for thirty minutes and and cry." Are you at the point of of, <laughs> of crying? I mean, I know you love Tim. Yeah, man. I mean, this is um, you know just to kind of give you the Denver perspective. Just weeks ago. And it was obvious, it had been obvious for months, but it, just weeks ago in the exit interviews, everybody in the organization came out and said, hey, this is the biggest summer of the Okachera. This is the moment where everything has to come together. We're locked in. We got a lot of big decisions to make. We got to maximize because losing Jamal Murray for two years kind of shortened that title window that they have. This is like, hey, you got to go all in. Right. So to now do that without the guy who was the architect of this from the very beginning, and by the way, all of this stuff starts coming down five weeks from now, the draft, the free agency, trade season, all of that is, it's just absolutely insane. Tim has done a great job of building the culture and doing everything here. Um, uh, so yeah, the the idea of him leaving and leaving under terms that are another organization just valued him more and is willing to pay more. It's, it, it, it's, it's dark days here in Denver. Adam, we should say that none of this is, is final yet. Again, we're recording this uh, Saturday morning. It does... Um, it does appear that the writing is on the wall with this. It would be a very Timberwolvesy sort of whoops if it <laughs> if it didn't uh, go through. That that's my assumption though <clears throat> at this time. And and yeah, it I, I'm kind of curious from the Denver perspective because I've talked to you know some people uh, around the league who have who have said there's kind of some frustration around the league and in, in other um, you know in other front offices that that an ownership group like this is kind of setting a new precedent for, right. for trying to get um, one of these, a, a president of basketball operations. And, you know, nothing's official on own, uh, offering an ownership stake, but 
everything I've heard is this offer is astronomical and Tim would quote unquote be insane to, you know, to not take it. But this whole ownership stake thing here, um, I think if the Connolly deal does go down, there will be sort of some fallout with that, particularly with these new these new yeah. Timberwolves owners of like, hey, like we're all in this together as 30 owners. Like you kind of got to, you know, play by the rules and they're not they're not not playing by the rules. But I'm just curious, like, is do you are, are have you thought about that? Is, the, is there frustration that this it's not cheating, but feels like it from a Nuggets well, perspective? It's funny, man. I love that point. I hadn't really thought about it, to be honest, because I'm just thinking about what it means for, for Denver in terms of, you know, obviously this summer, which, which, as I mentioned, is so big. But you're right. Anytime there's a new ownership group and they do anything outside of the ordinary, I you have to imagine the other owners look around and they say, yeah. hey, man, like what, what what's going on here? What you know, why? Why is this the thing? I was reading Ethan Strauss's article the other day just to kind of show you how. NBA ownership and pro sports ownership in general is is a, a good old boys club where everybody's kind of like, hey, we have a good thing going here. Nobody rocked the boat. <laughs> and they were talking about how with Robert Sarver, the NBA is in a difficult spot because, hey, there might be a smoking gun here. But the NBA, like ownership in sports is a safe haven. Like, hey, you get to do what you want. This is why our teams are worth so much because people are willing to buy them because you're kind of free from, hey, nobody's really looking at you. You get to kind of do what you want. It's a fun thing. And if you punish Sarver, then all the other owners are like, hey, are you going to punish me too for all of my bad deeds? And it drives down prices. The same, I think there's something similar, less less heavy, I guess you could say, but there's something similar here too. You start offering ownership even one time, the next great GM is going to say, hey, I want ownership too. I want a little stake here. And, and there's definitely a vulnerability there. So that's really an interesting, I hadn't thought about it, but it makes a lot of sense. And I am certain there are owners, probably one here in Denver, that's like, hey man, you're you're breaking the rules here. You're putting us in a bad spot. It kind of reminds me of the like uh, president of basketball operations and coach thing. Remember how there was right. that kind of like bubble for for ten years where where that was a thing, and then we we're like, wait, that's maybe that's not a great right. idea. This is this is too much power being given. Um, but just to to get to Tim, obviously, um, you have a personal relationship with him covering the team for as as long as you have. But I also know you know you're a a big believer in his style of team building and, and the way he's right. put it together. So if you could kind of summarize in a way right. how how Tim Connolly has gone about building the Nuggets over the last eight years, what would you say? Well, this is what's funny. And I, we were just before we went live, I said, I think this is a bigger loss for Denver than it is a gain for Minnesota. Mm -hmm. and, and what I mean by that is what he's done in Denver he's had some real pluses and some real minuses, to be honest, on his record. Um, he the first thing is Tim Conley has had a very small front office. And I think a lot of this is out of necessity. The Cronkies just aren't the team that's going to build out a 20 person analytics department and you know, have 20 scouts and 20 different markets. They're just not going to do that. They're going to have not. a little bit of a, a skeleton crew and they're, you know, they're out of necessity. But I've talked to Tim about this before, and he actually thinks it's a positive thing to have fewer decision makers. If there was a word to describe the way Tim Conley has run the Denver Nuggets since he's been here, it would be family. They've got a very small group that really trusts each other that can, you know, that can be confrontational and disagree with each other because it's so small and so tight knit. Nothing ever leaks from the organization, their moves. They're very cohesive. They can set a culture and they don't have to worry about our 30 different people executing this culture. It's just a, a very small group. So he's been a phenomenal scout. We, if you look at, at the draft, he has absolutely nailed the draft every single year, except for one, the Don, Donovan Mitchell trade year, 
Um, he ended up trading back. They were trying to get OG Ananobi. They just miscalculated. He went one pick ahead of where they went. Right. They got stuck with Tyler Lydon, who wasn't a very good player. So one year they kind of screwed up. Although in that same year, in the second round, they drafted Monte Morris, who started every game for him this season as, as a second rounder. And he be, he's a point guard now going on, I think, his sixth season. So um, he's, he's just been phenomenal at the draft. And not just the draft. He's been phenomenal at finding guys from the G League, from Europe, from Australia, from other teams end of bench. He just has a snack for identifying, hey, that guy that's not getting minutes, we liked him at the draft. I think this is a bad situation. Let's find him and bring him in. If you went through the players that are currently in the NBA that Tim Conley had some hand in identifying, I am certain it would outperform any other general manager over that time. Just down the line, you find Kenrich Williams and Jason Tate. Um, you know, you got uh, Davis in Sacramento. There's just so many guys that weren't in the league that he brought in through the Nugget system, ended up being too good, and then going to other teams because Denver just had too many of those types of prospects. What do you think makes him that way? Why Why is he Why is he able to be such a good scout? Because, you know, there's you know, 30 yeah. GMs, Pobos around the league who are who are all trying to do this. It's like... We always talk about this with like Maasai too, with with what Toronto's done, and and also you know Miami now too, with kind of those the scrap heap guys, right? That kind of that kind of turn into something. Like, is it something about who who Tim is? It's a great question. I, I really, I, I really don't know if I have a great answer to that one. What makes a guy good at his job? I mean, first it has to just be the skill, the the, the ability mm -hmm. to sort of identify the talent here or there. But you know, I I don't know. Denver has made a big deal in their in this run this Jokic era of bringing in character guys and when I say that I don't necessarily mean the same type of character but I think you know guys that love basketball have just been such a huge priority and I do think there's probably something to right. ownership groups and front offices that meddle too much in the hey this guy has a lot of flags but if we can just save him like if we could just get the most out of him and I think Conley it, one of the MOs to him is like first and foremost you have guys that genuinely love basketball and are going to work and um, and then on top of that, just have the, the, you know, he's found a lot of guys that very quickly you realize, oh, these guys have like a lot of skill. They really know the game. They really have a lot of different things that they can do. And they weren't pegged as that. They were pegged as a shooter. Bones Highland this year is a great example. He's a shooter. He's a gunner. You get him out. You, you actually get into the film. That's what he was in college in the circumstance he was. But you start to get him into another environment. He comes to Denver. He starts playing point guard. He starts facilitating. So I think he just identifies the important things and probably cuts out some of the things that can distract a front office. That'd be the best I could kind of speculate on that. No, that makes sense. I was just kind of thinking about how, how when we talked on the phone the other night, I, and, you know, and prior to that conversation, I, just, I obviously knew who Tim Conley was as the president of basketball right. operations and, you know, some of the moves. But when we were talking, I didn't know about his background. And he told me he's, you know, he's, he's from Baltimore. What is, was kind of his yeah. path to, to getting this job in 2013 when he took over for Masai? Well, he comes from a basketball family. Um, he's got three brothers. All of them in, are in and around the NBA, have been training different players, you know. Um, so he grew up just a basketball junkie and has been kind of an NBA lifer going from different scout jobs and lower level front office jobs before getting to Denver. So he's a bit of a lifer here, but he's a true basketball purist. I mean, you know, Baltimore is a basketball city. A lot of great basketball comes out of the DMV area. Um, and he's just one of those guys that I think is um, – he, he likes basketball distilled down to its purest form. And that might honestly, when you ask about how he becomes such a good scout, it might be part of that. I think there is value in any field when you can, 
get the get through your thought process the simplest. And I think that's how he is with everything. There's not a whole lot of like layers and things. It's he can distill things down to its simplest form and make decisions that way. Um, yeah, that's how I guess that's just how I describe him. Right. That's that's interesting. Um, let me let me mix in a quick break here, Adam, and then I want to ask you a little bit about his um, some of the transactions he's made over the years. Today's show is sponsored by Aura. You know of Aura because you've seen their name on the Timberwolves jerseys. And I'd like to tell you what Aura's digital security can do for you. Aura is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all combined into one easy to use app. People are shocked when their identity is stolen, but identity theft is actually extremely common. There's a new victim of identity theft every 14 seconds. Aura monitors the dark web for your emails, passwords, and social security numbers and sends alerts fast right to your phone and email. When it comes to fraud, every second matters. Can connect your credit and bank accounts and get notified of any changes up to four times faster than Aura's competitors with Aura. I've already signed up for Aura and I'm already seeing how often my personal information is showing up on the dark web. And you will too if you sign up for a free 14-day trial with Aura. Protect yourself from America's fastest growing crime by trying 14 days for free at Aura.com slash Dane. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash D-A-N-E for 14 days free. And a thank you to Aura for sponsoring today's show. Aura, digital security you can trust. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we are back with Adam Mares of DNVR Sports. He's covered the Nugget. Adam, how long have you covered the Nuggets for? This will be my eighth season next year. So, he's, so literally the entire Tim Conley era. Uh, well, he so he came over actually in 2013. I think I arrived in 2014. Um, so he was there one year bef- 
before. Okay. But really, it, the, the era began in earnest in 2014 when he drafted Gary Harris, Yusuf Nurkic, and Nikola Jokic in the same draft. Which, by the way, 16, 19, and 41, you get Yusuf Nurkic, a starting center, is very good. You get Jokic, two-time MVP, and you get Gary Harris, who's had a very good run. That's a hell of a draft for having zero lottery picks. Well, I don't know, man. He passed on Jokic twice there. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what about what is the the difference in him as a a, a scout in in the draft versus the way he's built the roster out with with trades? I guess free agency probably falls more into the draft one, right? That's just kind of identifying it, but it does seem like a bit of a different skill set to be able to effectively facilitate a trade and the financials that that sort of come totally. with all of that. How, how would you distinguish those two things? Yeah, so I would almost put like the, there's four areas here that you kind of evaluate, maybe five, like culture, he gets an A+. Plus. I honestly believe that he has built this culture where it, he's a rare example. You, t- you hear sometimes of general managers that don't communicate with players or like, hey, I try to keep my distance. He's yeah. the type of guy to have guys over to his house. You know, like he breaks that wall completely. And I think there's positives and negatives to that. But like he's very close to everybody in the organization. And again, it's not that he hasn't traded good players away or this or that. It's just um, I think he just believes in like, hey, let's cut through the BS. We know what this is. It's a business. All right, we're over that. Let's hang out. Let's let, let's know each other. Um, and that'll help. So the, the culture part, I think he gets A plus the draft A plus. And then I would say there's these low level trades. What I mean is you traded Aaron Aflalo for Will Barton. Aaron Aflalo was the better player at the time. Will Barton was a guy that wasn't playing in Portland. He finds him and it's like, OK, that's a great end of bench guy you must have had some intel on hmm. and, and and that worked out he's found the tory craigs as i mentioned the kenrich williams is all these guys that ended up being really good either undrafted players or have just been like on the dumpster pile pj dozier he right. found him he's a guy that bounced around he actually ended up being a very big impact piece for denver before he got hurt this year so th- so he gets an a on those so those three things he gets an a where he struggles two things one signing guys it, he signed almost everybody early you know, and some of these guys are easy. Jokic, no question. All right, sign up right. early. He's a great player. Like, that was identified that one easy. Jamal Murray, I remember he gave him the max one year early. He could have entered his final season and then become a restricted free agent. You had no risk of miss- losing him at that point. But he gave him the max contract early. And I remember at the time thinking, Murray hasn't proven to be a max guy. Like, we're not sure that's the case. We call but that always- the Andrew Wiggins around here. Yeah, yeah, the Andrew exactly the Andrew yes. Wiggins, and you worry about that. And then Jamal Murray went on to have the bubble run and and reach that level. And I think everybody knows, okay, that's a max player. So he was right there. Um, Michael Porter, all the back injuries gave him the max early. That one, I think, is one that you look at in Denver. You think that's probably going to backfire. He ended sure. up missing this entire season, and now he starts a max where he's played fewer than fifty percent of his games. Um, Mason Plumlee was a free agent. I think he got thirteen million dollars when he was a free agent. They just he has a tendency, I think, to pay early and maybe even overpay guys. That That's kind of been his M.O. And then lastly, the big trade moves. You know, he I, we haven't seen him successfully execute one. The biggest trade that you can look at that he's made, Nurkic became disgruntled. Jokic had surpassed him. This was several years back. Tim Conley traded away Yusef Nurkic and a first-round pick to get in Mason Plumley, Nurkic, the better of the two players. Right, so right. including a first round pitch pick is tough. And at the time, you know, that trade was difficult because Nurkic wasn't playing. He was disgruntled. Everybody knew this. So there was no leverage, but we've seen different GMs turn that negative leverage into positive leverage in a way that Tim Conley just hasn't proven. Interesting. And then what about the, the Aaron Gordon deal? I mean, that's probably the next biggest yeah. 
deal. That actually is a bigger trade, I would say. And that one, I think you look at and say he <laughs> that 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 one's a positive trade for Denver. You get rid of Gary Harris, who at the time wasn't playing very well. He ended up going to Orlando, not really being an impact player there. His time had kind of expired. You get rid of RJ Hampton, who was playing really well for Denver as a young player. But and you thought, oh my God, you're getting rid of a young player. He went to Orlando and now we're a year and a half removed. It's like, yeah, that's just a regular 20 mid twenties pick. Like he's not anything special. So that, and then you include a first round pick to me, that's good value for Aaron Gordon, who's made an impact, a huge impact on Denver. Um, So I think that one was a positive one for sure. The other trades I think of, and these, I guess could qualify more as the low level ones, but another characteristic of his that I think is, is probably accurate. Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Juancho Aaron and Gomez. It was clear to me a year prior to when they were traded that those guys didn't have a role in Denver. Not that they weren't good, but that Denver just was sure. He had done too good of a job in the draft that you had these like redundancies on the roster. And I think there was a time you could have traded Malik Beasley alone for a lot more than what they got out of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. But again, I think one of his MOs is probably holding on to his guys a little bit too long. And that was an example of it. They ended up trading him away for practically nothing. And, um, and, and that's another one of his MOs. What, uh, what role do you think Tim Connolly plays in determining the the style of play that that Mike Malone put into place? And Ab, we've talked before about how I mean, Chris Finch talked more importantly right. about how he tried to this season emulate a lot, at least defensively. I mean, probably offensively too, with what Jokic has done in Denver and what they wanted to do with with Carl. Um, I mean, I kind of I kind of think about that, and and then the Aaron Gordon sort of thing, and you see Tim Connolly really prioritize that sort of combo forward who can, who can play, can really play the back end of that more aggressive sort of defensive scheme, or just, just kind of be that, that athlete who can both defend on the perimeter, you know, and also be physical enough to rebound a little bit. I mean, do you think there's a specific way Tim Connolly envisions playing or, or is he more of a, like you, you just go do your thing guy i think so first of all with regards to what you're talking about with the defensive scheme i honestly think this is more simple than than people let on there's two ways to play defense in the nba right now there's switch everything and then if you have a big that you can't do a la Jokic, a la towns yeah then you have to be able to play this aggressive scheme where you play up top and and you rotate behind them like if those guys can't protect the paint in a drop scheme then you have to have these very mobile wings behind a lot of length and you have to cover a lot of ground. There's not a lot of differentiation. Like the NBA has been solved. <laughs> you know, like five out <laughs> basketball. We're seeing the Dallas Mavericks who aren't necessarily right. great. They have one great player. It's like, hey, yeah, but if you play five out, we, we're kind of we're kind of impossible to guard. So we'll see where the chips fall. So to me, but but to your question about does Tim Conley uh, uh, affect a coaching staff? I think zero percent. Okay. And I think this is another one of the Tim Conley traits is that he's going to pick ingredients. He's going to want to have a great relationship with the coach. I think that's the most important thing. Like, hey, can we sit down and have big picture talks? But he's not a guy that after two straight losses is going to come down and say, hey, you need to play this guy or do this thing. Like, <laughs> I think he steps back, looks big picture, and then meets with his the, the people to trust them to do their job. That being said, we talked about Uh-oh. this, and this is one of the more interesting things. Tim Conley and Michael Malone are kind of opposites in a way that I think at its best works. Tim Conley, a freewheeling, light, extremely personable, 
guy, not a suit and tie type of guy, although he obviously does. I mean, executives have to be suit and tie types of guys, but I think his natural state is more of a relaxed, a lot relaxed person, casual person. Right. Michael Malone, incredibly principled, intense, fierce, um, traditional. And so the, I think the tension between those two philosophies at its best works really perfectly, creates a nice synergy. Chris Finch is sort of the Tim Conley of, of coaches. But I think totally. they have very similar personalities, very open-minded, very willing to experiment, very relaxed, very much a, hey, let's not overcomplicate this. We kind of get how this works. And I'm so curious to see how it works. Tim Conley brought in Isaiah Hartenstein two years ago or last year. I thought he was great for Denver. Didn't really get a chance because Michael Malone didn't, you know, he was too young. He was too late. He's, he's a kind of a weird player. They end up get, losing him. I think he's going to be a starter in, for the Clippers next year. He's a very good player. I look at that and I think Malone is a traditional coach. He's serious. He's intense. I'm not surprised he didn't take this cast off player and play right. him right out of the gate. I'm not surprised by that. Chris Finch would. I really mm -hmm. believe it. he was here in Denver. Chris Finch, I think, is the architect of the Jokic ball as much as just about anyone outside of Jokic. So I think that that synergy, Tim Conley finds really good value, but sometimes it's weird. And I think Chris Finch can like see the the value in the weirdness. And I like get that. the most out of it. Yeah, I, I I've said well. I mean, from from talking to you and and having gotten to know, Chris, I mean, Chris Finch is the most normal guy coach in the NBA. I I think that's just and again, it's not like right. it's, a, it's a good or bad thing. I mean, I'm sure Michael Malone's like rigidity gets has got him a lot of things in his life too. It's just different. Totally. Story different types of personality archetypes. And as I've heard more and more about Tim Connolly and when people like describe street smartness and all these, I'm like, yeah, this sounds like you are describing the executive version of Chris Finch. And, and I would think that like similarities alignment, as they like to say here in Minnesota would, would be a, a good, a good thing there. I don't know if like it's important to sort of challenge each other with like different perspectives on that, which kind of leads me to what do you think? What do you think he needs in the front office around him? Like he, he's probably not going to be able to bring the whole Denver gang. Um, right. I'm pretty skeptical that Gupta will will stay along in in that sort of mm. role. Even though I would, I think Conley would probably want him to or will ask him to. I don't know anything, you know, for right. sure on that front, but. If we if we say that Tim Connolly and Chris Finch are the two most important people in the organization and they have the exact same personality, like <laughs> what what else what else do they need and what do you think Tim will try and bring with him? So I'm such a believer in this for both coaches and front office that often like a coach's number one job is to set the philosophy, to be a leader, to kind of like read the room and 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 adjust mm. as goes. And then you could have great assistants that specialize in some of the more X's and O's. Now, I think Chris Finch is an X's and O's genius, especially on the offensive end. I think he's very smart on that regard. So maybe he takes on a little bit of that. He could probably use a Ron Adams type assistant that's like, hey, I'm focused mm -hmm. on this thing and you lead, but I'm going to be the guy behind the scenes. I think a front office person can be much the same. I think Tim Conley helps set a culture. I think that he's great as a scout and identifying talent. And he knows people. He's just, I don't think anybody hates Tim Conley. I think everybody in the world loves Tim Conley. He's just that kind of guy. But you could probably use some guys that are astute at salary cap negotiations. Denver famously offered Kenneth Fareed an illegal contract. They gave him too much money. It was, he wasn't even allowed to make that much money. And that, it's like one of the embarrassing moments. It was the second year, I think, of the Tim Conley era. But it just shows that you could probably use somebody who – they have this in Miami. I can't remember his name. 
the salary uh, cap. Do you remember his yeah. name? Andy uh, Els- Andy Ellsworth. Ells- Andy Ellsworth. 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 Right? Ellsworth. There it is. Yeah. So. You know, it's it's very valuable for a team that has not just a guy who understands the CBA and how it works, but somebody who understands the angles of it. Of like, hey, here's mm-hmm. this way we can game this. I think you could use the same thing for a great negotiator. I don't know if Tim Conley is a great negotiator, so you could probably use some people that have some strategists around him right. that are like, hey, here's how we're going to get the most important thing here. So I do think you probably need those types of minds. But in my experience. I think you just need people that touch every corner of basketball. You need to have great people in Europe that know everyone in Europe. You need to have great people in the Eastern conference that know everybody up and down the East East coast. I I honestly think that's part of the value is Denver has had people that know someone everywhere in the world. Right. I'm, I'm curious what will happen again, that we don't know that Tim Connolly is with a bullet going to be the Timberwolves new president of basketball operations, but as you you were saying from the Denver perspective, like we're just over a month away from the draft and then and then free agency. And you're losing your president of basketball operations to make that decision, but you will keep the rest of your staff. And right. I'm it's it's the inverse thing here in Minnesota, right, where presume or I don't know if Conley takes over. Presumably, yeah. that will lead to other front office churn, because a lot of the guys there were actually I mean, they were Gerson guys. Um, and, and, you know, so there, I mean, Manny Rohan has kind of been the CBA guy here, here in Minnesota, and he actually goes, he's even before the Tibbs time. So I don't know, is he just a a here forever guy? But I, I, as somebody would like to see the Wolves draft well and figure out this off season, I wonder about Tim Connolly coming in here and not really having any of his like surrounding infantry to help him you know, to help him make these decisions and how willing will the Timberwolves current Gupta surrounders, you know, be, be able to, to work in that way? Because it's a big, it's a big off season for both yeah. of these teams, man. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I would say a couple things. One, I don't think Tim Conley exactly had um, an open checkbook to go and build his front office staff here in Denver. So <laughs> he's well-versed if, if whatever the case yeah. may be, he's well-versed in how to like find value in that regard, I will say that I do think Tim Conley was very close to his front office here in Denver um, mm-hmm. to a lot of the people. I mean, Tommy Balchettis, he goes back 15 years, you know, with, with him or 10, 10, 12 years, something like that. Guys that, he, that he's known for a long time. Um, so I do expect that that'll probably be part of it. I know he has other friends in, in around the league. So my guess is that that's where he's going to go is, again, building that group of people that are he's comfortable with being around, but also people that are comfortable being honest, not not coworkers. You have to, you have to get yeah. to, to make this job. You have to be able to say, Hey, I think this is idiotic. What you're proposing right. here. Like, this is dumb. You have to have people that are comfortable enough to do that. Um, so well, you have to I, have I people know. you're comfortable with to be able to do that too. Like you need to be comfortable to hold them accountable and there needs to, you kind of have to have at least some sort of relationship to do that. And I, how could you have that immediately after coming to Minnesota, like next week, if that happens? Dane, I've heard stories, and these are just stories of, you know, some of these groups out of Houston years back in, in the Maury regime and stuff where front offices had like rules in place, like you wouldn't start talking until the meeting officially began. And they had like these weird things about information and how it can't be passed because they have these protocols. And it was very much a like, 
you know, like this rigid thing where we have this system in place and, and it's weird. Like I think Tim Conley is the exact opposite of that. Like you guys will call each other at three in the morning, wake them up and say, Hey, I had an idea. Right. You know, like there's just no process. It's more of a, Hey, we're, we're just a group of guys doing this. So um, that'll be his MO. I, I'm curious to see what his staff is. And also I'm, you know, if the fallout of this is Tim is, is gone, I'm curious how Denver has it. My understanding is that Calvin Booth and um, Tommy Balchettis, I believe they still have a year on their deals. Hmm. Um, it, I think it, may, it might even be an option that the team has. Maybe the team elects just to reshuffle the deck. Maybe they go cheap. The default position on any of this is that they're like, hey, these guys are already under contract. Why spend more money? Let's just run these guys back for a year. But maybe it is a thing where they say, you know what? We believe we can go somewhere else all entirely and start over. Um, and, and those guys are free and they just move over. Well, Adam, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Have, have you and Harrison and Brendan like done anything on the, I'm sure you've already recorded an episode. Can I, I, I think people yeah. after hearing you talk for 25 minutes here, will want to hear you talk more about this. So yeah. if they, if they want to listen to you, where can they find that? The, the Thursday edition of the DNVR Nuggets podcast, I think is going to be the most fruitful. We did a Friday one as well, but it, it is a little bit more casual and, and cavalier, but there's the one on Thursday, we went more into all of our perspectives on it and, and covered a lot of bases from a Denver, a Denver perspective. But, um, you know, Tim Conley was great. I really believe that the Tim Conley, Chris Finch duo would be really interesting, yeah. <laughs> especially when you talk about, you have some interesting ingredients out there in Minnesota to begin with your foundation has some unique pieces. And I just think they're going to find a lot of value to build around them over time. So actually, let me, let me, let's, we got it. We got to hit on the Jokic thing. Like, I don't know why the, the bad host, like, why, why is, why would he leave Nikola Jokic? I mean, that's a, that's a GM, <laughs> that's a GM's dream. I mean, we got to at least like hit yeah. on, hit on that part of it. I mean, it's not like you're going to nothing in, in cat and amp, but I, what, what do you just it's think different. that process was for Tim in kind of right? Giving up the dream situation in terms of what your superstar is like. There's no question Jokic Giannis and Curry to me are in their own tier of if you're a general manager and you have a cornerstone piece, like what is the best in terms of you're just going to, it's going to be the easiest to work with no complaints. They're right. going to do everything right. They're going to make players. Those three are in a whole different category. So you're right. Here's the thing. People don't realize this up until three years ago, three or four years ago, the Denver Nuggets didn't have a parking garage. Jameer Nelson was here, snowstorm outside after a game, making millions of dollars, and he'd have to put on his heavy coat and his gloves and everything, go scrape ice off of his uh, Mercedes or his whatever it is he's driving. And you just think of this, like the Cronkies are cheap. The practice facility they have is smaller than my high school gym's practice facility. I've been it's, there, yeah. It's, it's 27 years old or whatever it is. It's, terrible. it's so small that they have to fly to San Diego or Kansas City or somewhere different every year for training camp because they literally can't practice on their own practice facility with everybody when everybody participates. <laughs> so they're not on television locally because the Cronkies have this stupid blackout deal with Comcast where they're unwilling to pay to get the team on the local cable provider. So people in Denver can't watch Even it. worse than what the Wolves are struggling. I mean, and a lot of people are struggling with with Bally. I mean, you're, you, it, yeah. That, that's an absolute been a disaster. And honestly, like, let's be honest here. Minnesota, not exactly the best run organization over the, the last several years. The, this this is in some ways a battle of who's worse, the, the Nuggets organization or the Timberwolves. And yeah, this is like yeah. a, a first round knockout of the, of the Cronkies here of like, hey, we are the worst. We're by far the worst. So, so you ask, why would he leave? Like, you're right. He has Jokic. He has a great job. You give copious amount. I don't think he wants to leave. I really don't. But it just shows you how far apart the Minnesota offer is from oh, whatever yeah. it is Denver is willing to do. And 
Um, and that's why I do it. But you bring up, it does raise another interesting question, which is when your superstar is Jokic, a front office has naturally has and less pressure than if it is maybe a Carl Anthony Towns. Like Jokic has never once done anything to put Tim Conley in a compromising position. Right. Towns, who knows? I mean, I don't know. You know the situation better than me, but is he going to be a guy that talks about moves the front office makes, complains about them, makes passive aggressive comments? Is he a guy that maybe has his one eye out the door and he's waiting to see how things break? Jokic he has. He hasn't that. been yet to, to plug that right. in. There, there hasn't been any of that. But right. you know, without being locked up long term, it's only reasonable to wonder what. I mean, and again, like Giannis, who you just labeled as one of the dream guys, and I agree with that. Giannis lever- leveraged his supermax right. into the Bucks right. trading for for Drew right. Holiday, so it's not. I mean, it's not necessarily the the worst idea to be the player. I think about it more through the ant lens, right? Like, if, if Tim's really going to sign an eight year contract contract here. Right. Like I mean, Carl's gonna be twenty seven. Like, Ant Ant will Ant will be Carl's age now by the time Tim Connolly's contract ends. If it's right, eight year right. deal, you know. So, so I think that's the yeah. from a personnel standpoint. If I'm Tim, not not to diminish Carl, who's a very good player in his own right, but you, the guy you're building around here, if you take the Timberwolves job, if you're Tim Connolly, is is, is Anthony Edwards. And Anthony Edwards, I think, he, oh, so he's from Atlanta. I, I think him and Tim Conley are going to get along very, very well. Mm. Tim Conley is is um, a real one. Like, he's he's very authentic. I, there's just no bull BS with him. And I think Anthony Edwards crosses me very much the same. Like, you know, yep. this, like, disarmingly real guy. And I just think those guys, to me, are very, 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 very similar personality. And I think that they will they will get along in that regard. Awesome. All right, Adam. Well, I appreciate you me just texting you at 9 a.m. or whatever (laughs) please come on my podcast i think the timberwolves are about to uh sign sign tim conley so so thanks for doing it i'm sure we'll talk again pop on each other's pods as we figure out what the hell's going on here um with these teams in the next season thank you for doing it um follow adam on twitter at adam mares i'm dane at dane more nba i'm sure i will be talking to you all again soon as more stuff keeps happening with the Tim Rolls as it always does. Thanks, Adam. Until uh, then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.